Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, good evening, good morning, good afternoon to you. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast once again, firing into your ear holes like a gunshot. Uh, coming to you for another week of uh, gaming news. Uh, and all the uh, all the other things that we like to bring you each week. With me, I have the DG crew, I have the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, spending all of his time sinking piss with a couple of yobbos at his local pub, eating lamingtons, <laughs> yelling taxi every time a glass breaks, <laughs> happily tucking into a meat pie with sauce and a Vegemite sandwich for dessert, and possibly playing Dinkum on his PC as well. It's <laughs> Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. That's it. All, all finished off with a uh, Dagwood dog for supper, JB. How are you, oh, mate? Wow. Great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, all That's right. a heavy reaction to a Dagwood dog. It certainly <laughs> is. Uh, speaking oh. of which, uh, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage, he believes playing upcoming Sea of Thieves-inspired Ubisoft title Skull and Bones will be less fun than having a scalding hot knitting needle driven up the eye of his urethra. It's Simon <laughs> Steely McLaughlin. Welcome, Simon. Oh, you know what they say, Joel? Stitch it up, no babies at Ubisoft. What an awful image. Awful thing. Wow. Finally. No babies at Ubisoft. That means... <laughs> That's all right. You go. No, 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 don't, no. Go. Oh, don't worry. I was just going to be diarrheaing around in my mouth because I can't piss out of my penis anymore. It's going to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this must be a world record for how quickly this podcast gone off the rails. Finally, the the Nintendo Queen. I'm informed she's on her 608th replay of the new Mario Brothers movie trailer as demanded by her son, the oh, Nintendo man. Prince. It's Pistol Pete herself. <laughs> Casey C-Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C-Mac. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Yeah, we've we've had a gutful. We can't do it anymore, can we? All I can say is open the gates, attack. What is this place? And Mushroom Kingdom, here we come, apparently. What? Yes, uh, spelt C U M, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, wow. Um, well, uh, on another note, this week uh, we had some news uh, come out at IGN that Street Fighter VI uh, went into a closed beta, giving some fans the opportunity to test out the game ahead of its launch. While it's in closed beta, luckily for the rest of the internet, uh, the players with access have created some truly incredible and terrifying things with its impressively <laughs> open-ended character creator. Uh, 
of course, plenty of players have begun testing the limits of this character creator by creating terrifying forms that should probably not be allowed to exist, uh, such as a uh, a man with green chest hair and massive calves. Now, uh, we will post these pictures on the uh, Discerning Gamer uh, Instagram um, this week. Uh, for the the enjoyment or or opposite thereof uh, for our listeners. But um, uh, I've sent the pictures through to the rest of the DG crew on uh, on our messenger uh, group. And I just wanted to think, um, what what did you guys think when you saw these uh, pictures for the first time? (laughs) They they look like someone's taken like a, a Ken Barbie doll and sort of melted it for about 30 seconds and then set it hard again and all the proportions of all the bodies of all these characters are all, they're either really top heavy or really, really bottom heavy. Like the guy's got calves that are bigger than his pecs. It's ridiculous. So uh, so just this to- reminds me of, um, sorry, sorry. This yeah. reminds me of, you know, do you remember Stretch Armstrong? I it do. It reminds yeah, me of when yeah. we used to have Stretch Armstrong when we were a kid and, and you, like you'd pull his legs so long that they'd get really thin. But the bottom of them were thick, and then his torso was like really thin as well because you couldn't stretch it. It was always just it looks really fucked up. It's it's utterly disturbing. So so the first uh, image that we've got is uh, is a guy who's got uh, green hair on his chest, uh, forearms, and shins. Um, he's got calves that are that are probably. Uh, uh, as big as bazookas going around, and then really, really tiny thighs, um, and then like fairly, like a fairly small waist, and then like just a huge span on his shoulders and a and a neck like uh, like you wouldn't believe. It's uh, super thick, and he's he's got T Rex arms as well. He's yeah. got really short yeah. arms for some so reason. Short. And then, but the uh, hands are fucking so big. And then the next one. Uh, it sort of um, uh, looks like a like a sort of older uh, sort of Japanese kung fu karate master who's wearing like a bright pink afro wig, and again, uh, massive neck, massive shoulders, <laughs> massive pecs, all sort of uh, but tiny tiny face, face uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> face sort of condensed down to the size of a twenty cent coin uh, compared to. Uh, the rest of his uh, head, um, and then the the third image. I don't even know well, what an to describe. It looks like uh... very sick. <laughs> do, do you know what it looks like? It looks like um, the old man from Squid Games. But if he went to the the gym and only worked on his shoulders uh, and his calves, <laughs> Jeez, oh I'm... yes, I know this one. Yeah, just imagine this guy oh, tug yes, of war. I know this war. game. <laughs> Lean back, everyone. Jeez, I think this guy's arms would have just been pulled off in that uh, tug of war battle uh, uh, had he been uh, participating. Um, it's uh, it's absolutely horrifying. So well done, Capcom. Uh, it's only slightly less horrifying than uh, the Street Fighter movie that you released in the early nineties. Emotional damage. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if any of these uh, physical attributes have any kind of bearing on what kind of character and stats. And, you know, I think of games like, you know, NBA 2K, where in your My Player, if, if you create a really, really tall player, you know, or with really long wingspan, you know, they're slow. If you're small, you're quicker. 
and that kind of has an effect. Like I can see a lot of these characters, you know, having devastating leg kick abilities, <laughs> but there's a bit of a weakness in the mid mid <laughs> mid regions of these characters. Um, yeah, if you see yeah, how well, they can uh, somehow incorporate that into the gameplay, the fact that their uh, femur will just snap uh, at the first uh, application of any sort of pressure. Um, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's horrifying. <laughs> Uh, so, Street Fighter Six and its terrifying character creator isn't slated to release until 2023, uh, but Capcom has already revealed plenty about the game, including its full launch roster. Uh, so, IGN pre- previewed the game last month and uh, also streamed two hours of uh, gameplay. Uh, so, if uh, if you want to check that out, that's where you go um, to, to go and have a look. Mm. Um so yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. It, you know, it it reminds me when the Nintendo Wii came out, and you had the the me creator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you could go online and download other me's that people had created that were meant to look like, you know, certain people, celebrities, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I remember downloading one where. Uh, I, I don't even know how the creator had done it, but they'd arranged the nose, the eyes, put the eyes below the nose and, and just shuffled everything around in such a way that the the character's face uh, looked like uh, a cock and balls that was squirting out the top. Oh, my God. Uh, where the, the sort of squirt was the eyebrows. And, and I, I just actually don't know how they'd achieved it, but it was uh, it was glorious. Um uh, I, I I believe I did download that character, so that that should still be on your uh, Wii somewhere, uh, Simo. So uh, enjoy that. That's the only reason why I keep it, Joel, is for the GameCube games and to see the really fucked up me's that are still on there, <laughs> with the penis heads and yes. stuff. Yes, oh, well, it's just an absolute riot, and this does stink of that exact same um, excellency. This this whole thing, and I'm I'm. I kind of just want to get the game just to be able to do this shit because this is the kind of stuff that I I just have a field day making these really fucked up looking things and just having a a ball with them. And I'm with Ferg. I really hope that there's some kind of integration into how the characters perform and, uh, you know, their stats as to how they uh, weighed up and how they look and how they control. But I just, I I mean, I'm, I, to put a downer on it, I don't think that, um, you know, Capcom's going to put that much effort into that side of it, but it's it still looks like absolute shenanigans anyway. Well, at least uh, walking around in the character lobby, uh, should you decide to play the game online, should be uh, mm-hmm. uh, something to behold. Because um, it mm-hmm. seems like if uh, if just the people in the closed beta have uh, already jumped on this, then uh, it's only a matter of time before the, the rest of the gaming community uh, gets on board as well. Uh, all right, well... Uh, <laughs> Jumping over from Street Fighter Six to a bit of uh, sports game news, and I'm going to chuck it over to you, Ferg. What do you got? Thanks, JB. Yeah, bit of news this week coming from everyone's favourite uh, publisher, EA, um, and that surrounds <laughs> the launch of FIFA 23, which came out uh, last last week or in this week, 26th of September. Um, particularly surrounding the PC and Switch player base. So I've got a couple of articles I'm going to refer to, but um, there's been some issues, um, to say the least. So um, PC Gamer article by Rick Stanton. 
Um, FIFA 23 slammed by PC players as EA's own anti-cheat makes it unplayable for many. Talk about an own goal. So FIFA 23 is unplayable for a considerable amount of the player base thanks to a malfunction with EA's own anti-cheat software, which is failing to properly verify itself and thus refusing to launch the game. Well, wow. um, <laughs> <laughs> so some some players are reporting conflicts with their other anti-cheat or DRM software on their PCs, while plenty of others have expressed their frustration through the game's now mostly negative Steam reviews. Um, it's impossible to say how widespread this is, though a minority of players seem able to access the title, and it has also affected the PC Gamer reviewer. Um, their review, um, which has thus been delayed until the writer can actually play the game. So. Um, FIFA 23 is not a sports game. It's a simulator, writes Colonel Clam in their Steam review. A simulator for troubleshooting why the game won't launch. Um, another wow. another Steam review said, I guess the anti-cheat is working because if you can't play the game, you can't cheat. Um, Fucking hell. Fuck up everything. So the developer and publisher have issued a holding statement acknowledging the issues and promise a fix. So this is their response. We are aware of some of the issues for some PC players have experienced when launching FIFA 23, which are largely related to EA anti-cheat software. We are actively working on a fix. We see and understand our PC community's frustration, and we apologize. Um, So what's the good news? There isn't any good news. There's no ETA on a fix. So... Well, in the meantime, the, uh, the good news is that uh, CD Projekt Red have uh, got a little break this week from all the uh, broken yeah, game uh, uh, so, sort of uh, <laughs> anger. So for the PC players, um, probably keep clear of FIFA 23 is sort of the underlying statement. Um, some more not so good news for the Switch player base as well, and I'll refer to Simon Cardi's um, article from IGN. Um, FIFA 23 Legacy Edition Switch Review. What a legacy question mark. And Simon writes, The year is 2022. EA have returned with their annual gift of regretful deja vu. An dystopian future is mercifully nearer than we think. I would copy and paste my review like I did two years ago, but unlike some of the folks at EA, I don't take too much satisfaction in reusing material. Oops. I think that's what I said last year, actually. I struggle to care at this point. For the fourth year in a row, EA Sports has released a virtually unchanged edition of FIFA onto the Nintendo Switch. As stated on their actual official website, it says FIFA 23 Legacy Edition will feature the same gameplay features and modes from FIFA 22 Legacy Edition without any development or significant enhancements. At least they're honest about it. Um, as a well, reminder, that, well, being honest about it doesn't make it uh, any better. Doesn't make it better. I'm sorry. I think uh, uh, the yeah. old uh, the old switch is uh, copying it uh, copying yeah. it pretty hard. So, as a reminder, here's what was written there for last year's game: FIFA 22 Legacy Edition will feature will feature the same gameplay gameplay innovation from FIFA 21 without any new development or significant enhancements. And the year before, FIFA 21 Legacy Edition will feature the same gameplay innovations from FIFA 20 without any development or significant enhancements. And to complete the set, the FIFA 20 Legacy Edition will feature the same gameplay innovation from FIFA 19 without any new developments or significant enhancements. Um, And FIFA 19 wasn't reviewed very highly, so... Um, well, I think uh, FIFA on Switch, you deserve the Wii U horn. 
So Simon's verdict, FIFA tw- and scathing review. I like how he just doesn't hold back. FIFA 23 on Switch is a prime example of minimal effort for maximum profit. If you've bought the Nintendo version of FIFA at any point in the last five years, that's very little reason to buy it again now. And his review out of 10, two for painful. Oh. A two Aye. out of 10. Oh. So in comparison, the FIFA 23 Metacritic review scores on the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S is, they're pretty good, 75%. So mm. the general consensus of the reviews are stating that whilst it's, you know, more a bit more of the same with minor improvements, it's another solid entry into the series um, and it leaves the franchise in a good position as they transition to EA Sports Football Club next year as the FIFA naming deal or whatever is about to expire. So again, this is... this. This stuff grinds my gears because it's another example of developers and publishers either doing the absolute bare minimum for their PC and Switch versions of their games or not, in case of FIFA on Switch, not doing anything at all and still slugging people 80 bucks for it. So the number Mm. of examples of broken ports, you know, PC versions of games being poorly optimized. The other one that springs to mind is when um, Batman Arkham Knight came out on PC. That thing was an absolute monstrosity to the point that they pulled it from the Steam um, store whilst the console versions were fantastic with no issues. Um, Other examples, you know, NBA 2K23 and 22 and I think 21 in the past, they're last-gen versions of the game for their PC counterparts. And and I think Cyberpunk 2077 might be the only game that I can think of off the top of my head where the actual PC launch has been better than the console version. So... Yeah, it's it's disappointing, you know. I'm I'm pretty lucky that, you know, I've got a decent PC, I've got a PS5, and I have a Switch. But it's just disappointing that when a game comes out, I actually have to sit there and make the decision of what console will I get this on because I'm not going to get the same thing across the board. So, yeah. Yeah, well. What am I listening to? What the fuck was that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, that yeah, was uh, what's called a mistake. So anyway, um, EA, EA can, <laughs> EA can uh, take a shit on that one. Um, the yeah. other news that I just wanted to really quickly bring up as well. I'm not going to go into the full thing because it's just going to take forever. But some of the other big news that came out this week, and I'm really interested to get the DG Crew hot takes, is um, CG CD Project Red, who are by the sounds of it, trying to be the new um, Ubisoft Assassin's Creed um, publisher. They've announced a new Witcher trilogy, three new games, and they're planning to release this over six years. So very, very quickly, um, they announced a new Cyberpunk game, a follow-up to Cyberpunk 2077, codename Orion. Um, They mentioned another, the new Witcher game, which they've already talked to that is in pre-production, codename Polaris. It's going to be the first of a new trilogy. Um, there's a new Witcher, fully-fledged Witcher game, codenamed Canis Majoris, um, which is going to be developed by an external studio, um, which I think is one of the ones that they acquired last year, I think it was. They also mentioned another game, um, codenamed Sirius, which is going to be set in the Witcher universe and created by Molasses Flood, which is another developer they've acquired, which is going to have some multiplayer gameplay on top of a single-player experience, including a campaign, quest, and a story. And they also mentioned a completely, entirely different IP nicknamed or codenamed 
header, which is going to be created from scratch. So I don't know if you guys saw this news, but what are we, what are we thoughts off the back of a, uh, a Cyberpunk 2077 release, which was a bit rocky. Uh, what are our thoughts on CD Projekt Red going to release a I shit ton of games a- in six years? Steely? I had a code name had a fucking aneurysm after I heard this because <laughs> um, I, I'm so, I don't know why this is now um, mainly, obviously, yeah, Ubisoft and now CD Projekt Red doing this. Why it's become this thing for these companies to do to tell us like their roadmap for the next six years. Like at the end of the day, like I don't, I don't need to know what's going on behind the scenes to that extent. I mean, we always like to know what's coming up and coming up in the future, but how are you even meant to get excited for something that is basically a concept? Like if you're being told that there's all these games in development, any of those games could go bust and, and, you know, basically not even finish development in the time that you've announced it. I think it's just really pointless and stupid because at the end of the day, if, if they do go bust, well then, you just sound like a fucking dickhead, don't you? And, and, and what's the point? Because no one's going to get to play these games and it's just an idea. It's like me telling you, oh, yeah, in oh, 10 years' time, I'm, oh, I was thinking of, um, you know, I don't know, shitting myself and then <laughs> peeing in a river and then throwing wow. it over to Graham's house next door and then Graham moves out in the next six years. Well, what's the fucking point? Like, might as well yeah. not shit myself. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that was that sewing needle from early on in the show. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, on the one hand, I, I I sort of agree with you. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot more companies. I think it seems to me like the first company that really started getting into this in a big way was like Marvel Studios at, at Disney where they, they started laying out, oh, these are all the Marvel movies we're going to release over the next, you know, several years for for Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3 of the MCU. And it seems like a lot of people have sort of grabbed that idea and gone, oh, that's that's good. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do the same thing with whatever the fuck we make, you know, if it's... I'm a video game studio now. I'm going to lay out my phase one, phase two, phase three for whatever IP I've got, whether it's Assassin's Creed or The Witcher or you know whatever the case may be. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, some people probably really like the idea because they they get to sort of see what's coming down the pipeline. But then, like uh, like what's happened with uh, with Disney with uh, they announced this this full slate of all these Star Wars TV shows that they were going to develop for Disney Plus, and I reckon half of them have have ended up on the cutting room floor. They're they're just not happening now because things have happened in the meantime. You know, actors have you know dropped in, dropped out of the the equation, and um, so now that whole announcement uh, just seems like it was it was ninety percent bullshit. Mm. So. Um, yeah, I, I I'm inclined to to side with Steely on this one. I think, um, yeah, I, I I don't see the benefit in in companies doing this. And if CD Projekt Red don't play their cards right, I, I mean, I think I think they got a massive spanking over um, Cyberpunk 2077, and. Um, but whether they really felt that or not, I mean, they still sold 20 million copies of the mm-hmm. game. Um, but certainly the damage to their reputation has been significant, in my opinion. Um, 
I don't think gamers will be as forgiving if if they get it wrong that badly a second time. Uh, so yes, I think it's uh, it's a very risky move by them. Yeah, it's an interesting look. <clears throat> with yeah, I, I think maybe it's a case of, and I, I'm not a hundred percent across CD Projekt Red as a business, but maybe it is something to, around shareholders wanting to have a bit of an idea about what they're going to do in the future. Maybe it's uh, looking for potential investors, so they're sort of casting a bit of a net, saying this is you know if you if you back our business, this is what we're working towards. But considering it took, I think. I don't know. When do we first see Cyberpunk 2077? It might have been 2012. It took them... Was it that long? It, yeah, I think it took 10 years to make. Um, so just the logistics and just the timeline of getting all these games out, and I appreciate they've got a couple of other studios now helping them out, but I'm not filled with this announcement a lot of confidence of a, a Witcher 3-type caliber game coming out in any of those titles, given how quickly they're going to pump them out. So, again, like Simon says, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to work on this and in six years, but inevitably everything will get delayed. Um, so, mm. I don't know. We'll just see what happens. It'd be interesting to reflect on this announcement mm. in five, six, seven years' time and see where they're at and how they went with delivering all this stuff. But, yeah, it seems a bit wishy-washy and all their code names suck. Anyone think that? Look at these codenames. Oh, this is the best you got. Like, Ori no, and tell us what you're and... Emotional damage. I'm on the, the warpath. Come up with some better codenames, guys. Should be anyway. codename. We won't fuck up this time. Fucking yeah. here's a new Witcher game. Everybody knows that. that we did that well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well. Codename. <laughs> fucking fuck off. Oh. One last point before we move on. I think the thing, the slither of hope and the confidence I do get is similar with The Witcher 3. I mean, the first game, the second game, they were progressively better iterations on the one that came before, and then they really hit it out the park with Witcher 3. So they've had, you know, a crack at Cyberpunk 2077. They didn't quite hit it on the head, so they've it's... got something to build on. They can't do anything worse than what they did there. So I've got some hope that the next iteration, they'll take all the lessons learned and really just polish the experience and give us what we were all sort of hanging out for in the first entry. Like in, in, I mean, you you say that Ferg, but then you look at what they've done at Sonic Team, and they've pretty much brought out <laughs> shit after shit after shit. Well. <laughs> year in, year out. Emotional damage. But uh, you know, like further to to Ferg's point, I I think that what CD Projekt Red have got as far as the the IP, the the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven IP, I think is really good, and yeah. it, and it has it has so much potential um the whole idea of right so you're a character that you can augment with these different implants in different parts of your body to do different you know give yourself different abilities i love that as a concept i love that you know the weaponry is like um you know you've got standard weapons then you've got smart weapons that mm. have these sort of really futuristic abilities like shotgun blasts that can sort of home in on people and you know all of that sort of stuff and i think it's a great world. Yeah, I mean, I personally w really would love to see where they go next with it as long as um, they don't make the same mistake they did with the first one and, and actually release something that's that's ready for release and polished. And uh, I believe that we actually reported that the next Witcher game is being developed in Unreal Engine 5, which looks incredible. 
And uh, I think um, uh, was it a few months back we saw uh, someone online did a, a little movie of like city. here's like a Night City um, snippet of what it would look like rendered in Unreal Engine 5. And, and it looked incredible. Like it looked absolutely incredible. So, um, yeah, I think let's let's let bygones be bygones and mm. uh, leave uh, the the bad parts of cyberpunk behind. And look, if uh, CD Projekt Red haven't learnt their lesson from that, then uh, uh, I'll be very very surprised. Next, we're going to throw it over to C Mac for a bit of news about a new trailer that's come out this week. What do you got? Yes, so on Friday, yes, Friday, Nintendo, there was a Nintendo Direct, which we all know Simon's very excited about. Oh. We knew what this one was going to be about. This is about the new Super Mario Bros. movie coming out next year, April 7th. Mario! Brilliant. It is, me and Mario, yeah. Very exciting. I don't know if you've all seen it, probably. I have. If you yeah, haven't seen I it, watched it yep. if you haven't seen it, if you're listening, stop, pause this, and then go watch it, then come back but I'll talk about it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, so the, it's called Super Mario, Bros. Mo- Super Mario Bros. Movie, and it opens with an image of a penguin ice castle, very menacing Bowser and his cronies are storming the front, and we see the penguins acting all tough and start feebly throwing snowballs at Bowser in triumph, <laughs> thinking they've won. Then Bowser just blasts their castle to smithereens, as he does. Very menacing, very scary. Oh. <laughs> It is. Urgh. And he collects <laughs> and then he collects the star that he's been searching for as per usual with Bowser. And then coming out of a pipe in the next sort of scene, we see a Mario fall out of a pipe and bounce off a mushroom onto the ground. Then he looks around, unsure of where he is and confused, and he's greeted by Toad, who then talks to him a bit, and then they run off to Peach's castle. So then we see some cast credits about who's in the movie. And then there's a really quick snippet of Luigi running away from some dry bones, looking very scared as per Luigi's mm-hmm. self as he normally is. Now, first of all, it looks brilliant. It looks amazing. I can't wait. My son can't wait more than anyone in the world to watch this. We have watched the trailer a million times and I'm over it. But mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> um, first thing I thought was, wow, Jack Black his voice just as Bowser was immaculate. It was so perfectly casted, I feel. And th- yeah, he, he just really has nailed it. And mm. I've only, we only got a tiny snippet of him talking and it was incredible. We see Keegan, Michael Key is Toad. Simon thinks they've, um, what have they done to his voice? I think they've done a little bit of a pitch shift on his voice. Yeah, make it bit. a bit higher. And he, uh, that sounds great. Sounds just like Toad. Yeah, he sounded spot on, <laughs> I, I thought. Didn't he? Oh. Yeah, everything yeah. Up, up until the point where Mario opened his mouth, I thought everything was perfectly <laughs> oh, cast. Oh, oh, I tell you, I don't know what I was expecting from Chris Pratt. I wasn't expecting much. We'll see. I'm going to give it a benefit of the doubt. I'm already very disappointed, as as you can see by the billions and billions, not quite billions, but it feels like every single person is saying, oh, my God, what is he doing? He just sounds like Chris Pratt talking. It doesn't have hasn't put any effort or anything. And the really iconic moment that everyone knows of Mario saying, here we go. I believe you got the clip of Mario saying, like Chris Pratt saying it. Uh, Yes. So uh, what you're about to hear is the the English version of the trailer as voiced by 
Chris Pratt. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Oh, man. <laughs> it sounds even worse listening to just the snippet. Fucking and hell. And then Simon was like, so, yeah, you know, we all know. Mario says, here we go. Like, that's yeah. him. He goes, uh, that's just, that's just, that's the essence of Mario. He's yeah. very animated. So, uh, and, you know, not that he talks much. And then Simon, yeah, he. What, um, what we were expecting like, was, was something like this. Here we go! <laughs> no. Why didn't they cast that guy? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. No, not not that. <clears throat> but what Dialed we dialed back about <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, oh, Simon is guy do it the french translation because there was a bunch of these on youtube and i was like no he played it for me and we just looked at each other and just rolled our eyes thinking why this this french guy that is doing it dubbing it is pretty much exactly what i thought he would sound like so yeah we'll we'll play that now all right so here's uh here is the french version come on like (laughs) I think he does a much, I I mean, whilst I don't speak French, I think you can hear in his expression and and everything that he's captured the essence of the Mario character, and I would expect Mm -hmm. that. I just feel like, yeah, they've got the essence of Bowser, you've got the essence of Toad, I'm not sure how Luigi really sounds, even in Kamek. It sounded like a, a a cartoon character, like that's it's a cartoon it's a cartoon movie. So I don't know. We'll see how we go, but yeah, it didn't give me much hope for the Mario character with this very bland man <laughs> voicing we, him. But anyway, do we think maybe yeah. in Chris Pratt's defence, an hour? How long's the movie? It's going to be an hour and a half or something. Do we think mm. the more mm. subtle um, approach to the Mario? voice is going to be a bit more digestible over an hour and a half you think maybe i'm just chucking some ideas out there or do we think we'd really like the animated sort of traditional um mario sort of voice acting as we're accustomed to sort of in your face repetitively for an hour and a half yeah i get what you're saying ferg and i think that that is a really really valid point i think over a long period of time it will kind of get grating and almost unbelievable to the story to hear this constant, like, you know, big mood from Mario all the time, mm. this huge, like, energy. But, but having the, said that, yeah. I, I think what this uh, French voice actor has done very well, um, and you hear it through all of that part of the trailer, is that he's managed to strike this very nice balance between Charles Martinet's voice and you know the original original mario and he's also um just put his a a little bit less into it so it feels more like you know a a character that would would exist a bit more in the world rather than just a caricature and i think that this is the hard part though is that obviously it's not all chris pratt's doing like there's a director behind it who's kind of said you know oh what do we think do you want to go this way with it or this way and i mean we don't know what the context is behind this yet he might be like you know an immigrant son from brooklyn who's found his way into (laughs) and no like seriously but what what doesn't doesn't make sense is how why has chris pratt done it this way and then why have they directed the french guy to do it 
in in the way that should be done. Yeah, and I agree not with should you. be done, but the what you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, how could it be so separate and so different sounding? And all I'm saying is, here we go is very iconic of Mario, and he fucked it up. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's again, that's the line that he's been given is is here we come, and I oh, think that that's come, sorry. I think I think that's just a bit of a a misstep from the studio itself. They really should have gone with here we go, and I think we would have probably all as a community that love Mario bought that moment a little oh, bit. We're thinking if, so much into this tiny no, trailer, and I mean, in in Chris Pratt's defense as well, we've only heard him say a very small handful of things that happen yeah. very quickly out of context, basically. There's not a lot of context to that scene. Um, that might not even be in that exact part of the movie because we know what trailers are like. They're chopping and changing bits left, right and centre. To But then, you know, to discount what everybody else has done, how well they've done it, it doesn't seem fair. You know, like, Jack, like you said, Jack Black is just impeccable. Mm. That performance is so much energy, but... Bowser is a different character, you know. He is he's an unbelievable being. Mario needs to come from somewhere real in this film. So I get the fact that it's not that same Mario that we're used to. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we'll see. I I I will still watch it regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I have I think to. It's, it looks gonna make it looks or awesome. break the movie. Yeah. It looks yeah, awesome. it looks amazing. Yeah. Mm. I'm hanging out for this one. I mean, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you I guess uh, I wonder if they've gone the way that they've gone um, because you'd, you'd have to say that the voice of Mario uh, in particular in the past is, uh, has been a, a bit of a, I suppose you'd, you could almost say it was like a racial stereotype of, of an Italian, yeah. you know, it's a bit... Scusi, babbit a boopy, che cosa? <laughs> you know, it, uh, it 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 does it does sort of stink of that uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, with the it's a me, uh, you know, come and have a spicy, yeah. spicy meatball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know when he says that specifically, but Hi, this guy. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> I, I I sort of wonder if if you know because things have sort of moved on a bit from the Mario sixty four days and less things deemed sort of acceptable in Hollywood. You know, there's all this talk of whitewashing and, and you know, being a bit more woke, I suppose. Um, so I wonder whether they've actually toned it down a little bit for that purpose as well so that it doesn't come across so over-the-top Italian stereotype. Um, you know, I, I don't know. What, I don't know. What do you think, Semi? I mean, you're probably the uh, the best person to comment on that given your Italian heritage. I mean, look, personally, I I think that to find offence in somebody doing the voice of somebody that is from a particular country, I find it to be completely stupid. I mean, you can't find offence in that because at the end of the day, um, it's an observation of somebody's either their accent when transitioning to English, whatever country it's from, you know, um, because at that's how people talk. I think, uh, you know, if you look at Nigel um, Eng, who does Uncle Roger, he says a really good point in an interview that he does that if Uncle Roger was to just talk with like, you know, a, an American accent or a UK accent, that it would be, I guess, even more offensive that people should think that somebody like Uncle Roger should sound white. And so I think that um, for us to just, uh, you know, comment and say that it's it's racist because somebody's doing a voice. I mean, it's it's not really at all. I don't think it's a racial stereotype to have an accent. Um, but at the end of the day, I can still 
understand where they're coming from because you need to, I mean, especially if we're going to be taking on a journey and a story in this movie, we need to believe that Mario is a human and he's in a world of all these things that are larger than life to him. And then he's, he's going to be adopted by that larger than life world and become a part of it. And that's the side of Mario that we don't see um, in all of the games because we just take it for what it is that he exists in this world without reason. I just kind of wish that they didn't pick someone so famous because all I see is Chris Pratt's face. True. That's the only thing I can see when I he- heard him open his mouth. So mm. hopefully I can try and push that away a bit. Yeah. You can tell it's him <clears throat> for sure. Oh, yeah. He- he's done nothing. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll have to just yeah, yeah. bide our time until April. I, look, I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think same. I think already it looks great. Uh, I'm not here to uh, to tip a bucket on it. Um, I'm going to go and see oh, it at the movies, wait. and I'm gonna, I'm planning on taking the kids along uh, to see it on the big screen. Um, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be Noah's first movie. We're going to take him to. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see how go. we go. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. enjoy it. We can just chuck him out. We'll watch it ourselves. Can and let's ourselves. let's face it. I mean, Illumination, um, who who making this movie, they just do a fantastic job. Obviously, they've got all the Despicable Me movies, the Minion movies, and they've just done so many things in between those as well that are just amazing. Like their portrayal of the Grinch was was fantastic. Mm. Um, one of the best versions of that story that I've seen done on the big screen. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's no reason to think that this won't absolutely hit it out the park, um, similar to yep. to the sort of success that the Sonic movies have had in recent times. So, uh, um, just mm-hmm. speaking of injustices, um, the movie had fantastic poster artwork. That's the other conversation which has been driving all of social media crazy. How do we feel about the injustice of uh, Mario's what he's packing? In the back end of his, well, uh, flat, his what is the junk? Boston. His junk in the trunk. What are we thoughts? So I think they've, uh, yeah, that's sending the internet wild. They think they've they're flattened him out or something. Where's his where's his booty gone? He's wearing overalls. Give him a break. I can tell you, I go into <laughs> workshops every day where men are wearing overalls, and um, not one of them are wearing them so tight that you can see. <laughs> The shape of their ass in it. I think that it, people just need to shut the fuck up. At the end of the day, it's a stupid debate. It's funny, well, but it's stupid as well. There'll be uh, there'll be peach in the movie, but it won't be in uh, Mario's overalls. <laughs> That's correct. Well done, Ferg. So, um, and uh, you know, before we just before we move on as well, uh, you know, obviously Chris Pratt, uh, big actor, uh, one of one of the shows that uh, that. I really enjoyed him in was Parks and Recreation, and oh, yeah. uh, there's a there's a particular um, like blooper that uh, that I I really enjoy, uh, which features Chris. So um, I'm just I'm just going to play that for you now, and just keep this in your mind when you're hearing him portraying Mario on the big screen. So uh, uh, here we go. It's a good comeback story, right? Sea Biscuit, The Mighty Ducks, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, who Rocky, else? yes. Kim Kardashian. Kim, well, well, in the video she gets she gets come on her back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And there you go. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, talking about uh, good comeback stories, uh, right there. So, uh, 
Uh, on that note, we're leading into our novelty segment for this week. Okay, just give me a throw, don't you? <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. <laughs> Fucking hell. Simon might have had some news, JB. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> don't worry, I don't even exist. Hurry up. It's been all night. No, oh, don't worry, but... guys. I might as well start writing my letters. Oh, but... guys, this is, he has is not news anyway, oh. so it's going to be all of two minutes. Come on. All right, Dan, what, do you, what, do you got? what do you got, Simo? Sorry. Oh, hell, all right. Have you... Oh, bloody... Have you heard? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Well, clearly you don't care. But I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> New Pokemon trailer came out this week. I don't know if you were there for it. Looks like you weren't. I'm going to tell you what happened in it. A whole bunch of new gameplay. Um, Look, this game is is looking pretty slick, but I did get some PTSD. I I don't know. Well, you all probably know that I uh, used to work at Subway some years ago, and Mm. there is going to be a uh, new bit in the game where you can make sandwiches. So... (laughs) That's his news. Can you believe it that now there is going to be Subway Sandwich Simulator inserted into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? So watch out, everyone. You can stack up your subs with tomato, lettuce, beetroot, half chipotle, half garlic, whatever you like. Um, And you can feed it to your Pokemon if they like it. They will spit on you if they, uh, which is much like, um, no, if they don't like it, they'll spit on you, which is much like real life. And if they do like it, they will um, probably go and refill their drinks at the drink machine for free without paying for it. So, wow. I mean, it's a win-win. Was there uh, any context on why you would be making your uh, Pokemon? Sorry, that's that's just that's just Pikachu's subway order. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think this is a part of a little Pokemon picnic mode because why not? Pokemon Company, instead of focusing on revolutionising gameplay, um, they put all this side-filling bullshit into their games in order to uh, hook people along to to you know bring something new to it that is completely and utterly useless. But I mean, you know what? I'm so glad I told you now because obviously, again, nobody cares about. Simon over here wanting to tell everybody about sandwiches. So whatever, everyone, stick it in your bum and let's do the novelty segment now. Yeah, okay. Uh, Sorry, Simon. (laughs) Uh, That's cold. By the fury. Cold as ice. You feel the uh, fist of the JB Fury. Uh, Next time I have a scoop, I'm not coming to the DG crew to tell them about it. Bloody... Well, no. if uh, if if you're not going to come, then uh, there's only one person that can. It's uh, I'm going to come. <laughs> uh, it's uh, old old mate, yeah. old mate uh, DT. Oh, yeah. And Chris Pratt in the new yeah. Mario movie, by the sounds as well. Yeah, we're having a go. <laughs> Poor Peach. Oh, no. All right. Uh, well, uh, here we go on, once again for our novelty segment. And to kick us off this week, we are doing This Day in Gaming. And so we're going to take a step back in time and have a look at the games that came out on this day. And to start us off, I'm going to throw over to you, Ferg. What do you got? 
straight away I'm going to break all the rules of the game. Um, so I'm not going to do a game. I'm going to do a, a product. Okay. And I'm not going to do the 9th of October, which is the day we're recording this. I'm going to do the 7th of October. So okay. blasphemy. F- full disclaimer if everyone, so anyone wants to uh, fact check what, what I'm spitting out. There it is. Um, so, yeah, on this day, cast your mind back to... 2003, the N gauge, the Nokia N gauge was released on the 7th of October 2003. Um, if you're not, or if you've probably been born in the last 25 years, you'd have no idea what this thing was. But basically, the N gauge was a smartphone which combined the features of a mobile phone and a handheld game system. Like I said, developed by Nokia. Um, and released on the 7th of October 2003. Did anyone anyone remember the N-Gage, the Nokia N-Gage? I remember no. it being mentioned in like media and stuff and, and people touting it as going to be like the next big thing. And then I, as far as I'm aware, like iPhone came along and just, and yeah. then followed by Android and they, and it, it just completely evaporated after that. Yeah, so I was, I was actually, luckily enough, back home when we grew up, I remember going into the local Telstra store down at the Lakes Village, and they um they had one on display, and I actually held it and played Tomb Raider on it. But, I mean, if you're not familiar with it, go on Google Nokia N-Gage, and you'll find the most disgustingly looking mobile phone slash handheld gaming thing in existence. It's quite a sight to behold. So yeah, Imagine um, uh, holding a Game Boy Advance up to your ear and... Uh, you know, speaking into it like it's a phone, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, uh, And the reason you probably don't remember it too well, JB, it wasn't around very long. So it was released on the 7th of October 2003 and it was discontinued on the 24th of February 2006. So we got yeah, barely three years out of it or three years out of it and it was um, kaput. So sold... Hmm. Pro- I guess you could say uh, that Nokia hung up the phone on that idea. <laughs> they, um, they engaged it. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Simon. Yeah, so <laughs> the well, I think uh, what you're trying to say, we'll give the Nokia engage the Wii U horn. Yeah, wins the Wii U horn this week. So the, I mean, they sold three million units, um, and again, this is coming. This is something that was speculated, and they never really confirmed. So about three million units, um, and really the engage. Nokia engage. The the whole idea was they were attempting to lure gamers away from at that time the Game Boy Advance, and what their idea was, they would, like I said, half phone, half Game Boy Advance, smash it together, and you've got the Nokia Engage. But um, what could go wrong? It was ultimately unsuccessful, partly because of the buttons, the design for the telephone, and it just really wasn't that well suited for gaming. Um, it interestingly had a funny nickname. The original Engage was described as resembling a taco, which led to the led to the mocking nickname Taco Phone. Um, so there was mm. one new iteration of... Hats off to whoever came up with that yeah. new name. That's <laughs> really fucking clever. <laughs> That's it. There was one iter- new iteration of the original design, which was the N-Gage QD, which was released in 2004. And it was it was a redesign of the original classic N-Gage, which fixed a lot of the widely criticized issues and design problems. So two of the main ones was, if you wanted to put the cartridge of the game into the N-Gage, you had to remove the plastic covering the battery in order to get access to the slot where the game would go in. So straight away, I don't know how they thought that was going to be um, not kind of an issue. Um, I will send you to Jesus. And another (laughs) big issue that they had was obviously with the phone, you know, you hear up one end and you talk down the other end when you're playing a, a handheld console, the sound sort of comes from 
the left and right as you're looking at it. So this was a bit of a weird thing where you only got sound coming out of one end of the, the handheld device. Um, yeah. It was released with a launch price of 300 US dollars, which is equivalent to about 440 um, US dollars today. Um, it was not commercially popular. In the first few weeks of availability in the United States, it actually outsold the Game Boy Advance to 100 to 1. Um, but within basically a month, um, you know, pro- popular retailers like GameStocks and EB Games and stuff were basically offering reba- rebates in order to move some of this product. So, um, yeah, it, you know, as far as the things that it did well, I mean, for it, I think it's a classic case of it was really ahead of its time for that period of time. Like it had a clear idea about what it wanted to do and what it was trying to achieve, but it's just a case of the execution obviously what's there and, and technology to an extent hasn't really hadn't really caught up to their idea. So you think now we all own phones, we can all play games. That's what they were trying to do back in 2004. So um, to rattle off some of the games, and I had, I think there was about 50 games that were released in its lifetime. Um, and one thing for its time, for a phone, it had full 3D sort of graphics, which was on a mobile phone at that point was sort of unheard of. So, you know, it had the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Like I said, when I actually held one, I was playing Tomb Raider. Um, there was an Elder Scrolls game. I think Raymond Legends was on there. Um, well, not Legends, but Raymond, a Raymond game. So, yeah, there was about 50 games that come out. But, yeah, that's that's a blast from the past, the Nokia Engage from well, 2003. And if you if you haven't heard of it, go and look it up and you can uh, you can see a, just a ghastly-looking thing which was trying to do something a bit funky for its time. Well, for the Nokia Engage, we'll give you... Points for trying. Did you ever see the Engage, Casey or Simon? No, no, I've never heard of this in my life. I just googled it. I have heard of this, and uh, yeah, I, must did, be old. I did want myself an Engage at one point, and then I was too busy on MSN Messenger trying to talk to girls <laughs> interstate, and so nothing really came of that. I uh, <laughs> used up a lot of my time doing that and being shit at school. So uh, <laughs> mm, hashtag love it or list it. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I'd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. The uh, engage just opened up some wounds there. <laughs> yes, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, oh, you took me right back, dude. Right back. <laughs> All right, C Mac, what do you got for us? What do you got for us? What's 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 the memory you have from this day in gaming history? Yeah, so I did the seventh of October too, just to be part of the crew. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a quick look at the a quick look at the list, and one of the games that I got in 2016 was Mario Party. Shit, what was the name? Star Rush. I've already forgotten it. Mario Party said- Star Rush on the <laughs> Mario <3DS>. Party shit. <laughs> uh, Don't do that. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, That's Mario Party. Game. Huh? That's a different game. It's a fun game. No, shut up. Um, so, yeah, Mario Party Star Rush on the 3DS. We got it on our honeymoon, actually, in Tasmania, and we uh, played. We got one cartridge, and mm-hmm. we could play together w- with the downloadable link yeah, like, yeah friend friend play. the game yeah. itself meh wasn't that great wasn't you know as good as most mario party games but there was one mode in the game coin called coinathlon which was just a really fast paced and you just race around the board with each other and two cpus 
and it's just mini game after mini game after mini game and you win a mini game and it will you, you win coins in a mini game and the amount of coins that you get you move that amount of spaces on the board and there's Bowser pops in and has his own mini games which can throw you back really really fun and we just smashed this coin athlon mode if we didn't even play the real game again we once we played this and we even to this day will turn on our 3ds's give it give it a good old charge because it's dead and play coin athlon because it's so fun and i really hope they bring that into future mario party games because it's just it's just a really fun high-paced game because it's only three mini games in the whole thing and they just keep cycling through it but they get more hectic as the as the um the you go around the board yeah. they just get more hectic and hectic and hectic and, and faster and faster yeah, yeah. yeah. very fun yeah, nice. that's mine all right mario party star rush aka mario party shit <laughs> stop <laughs> oh delicious <laughs> all right what do you got for us simon Oh, well, uh, you know what? I'm sticking with the same year because a uh, good year it was. Yeah. Oh, how Not good. This game. 2016, hey, what a great year. The Wii U was in its prime. Um, we were all getting really excited because a new Paper Mario game was coming out and that happened to be one of the worst in the series. And it is uh, Paper Mario Color Splash for the Wii U. Um, yeah. <laughs> More splats. <laughs> More splats. Um, but, oh, look... I think the reason why I picked this game off the long list of uh, games that came out on this day in 2016 is because in in a lot of weird ways, Mario, um, Paper Mario is kind of like the Sonic series. Um, it started what? off really, really Utterly good. shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started off really, really good. Um, and and then it went utterly shit after it started off good. Look, there was a huge, really great foundation for Paper Mario set up. Um, and I know that obviously the first two games are some of Casey's favorite in the series. And Casey actually got me into Paper Mario. And, um, you know, the first two games in the series are absolutely wild. I just, I love them. They're incredible games. And, um, you know, when you have a formula that's that strong, what could possibly go wrong? Um, everything, apparently. Uh, so basically, <laughs> after those first two games came out, Paper Mario and then Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, we then had Super Paper Mario and the Wii, which absolutely messed the formula up. That It was more of a side scroller that had 3D elements to it. Um, and the sort of RPG elements were still there, but it was more of a platformer and it kind of lost what Paper Mario really was. And this would continue on um, basically, not that the style of game, but the messing with the formula would continue on throughout the series. And then um, Sticker Star came out. And then as everyone calls it, Sticker Star 2 or Color Splash was kind of the nail in the coffin, I think, for Paper Mario. It was just kind of this... Um, incredibly dull gameplay and it just was also a very dull story with no original characters in it. Everyone's a toad. Um, it was just kind of frustrating. And I remember the the sort of the excitement that we had for how beautiful this game looked. And, you know, it reminds me of when you were talking about how great the concept of Cyberpunk 2077 looked in Unreal Engine 5. The concept of this game looked beautiful, but looks aren't everything because the gameplay even, absolutely stunk Even, even the um, writing in it was awesome. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was really, really funny, but the gameplay, we didn't even finish it. No, nah, because it was just at, to a point where it was so unengaging 
that there was just no point continuing on. Like the, the boss battles, you had to have a certain item to complete them and you know everything every other kind of part of the gameplay was redundant if in a, in a boss battle because the whole concept of it was that you collect cards instead of stickers and the cards were the move set that you held with you and you'd play a card in order to attack yeah. and i mean it was just a complete backflip from everything that the game had already established um to the point where if you didn't have a jump card Mario couldn't jump on on an enemy. I mean, come on, shit the bed, Paper Mario. Um, you know, so I'm just like this whole franchise, and it does really remind me of Sonic because it's in this weird state of it's now got a split fan base as well because these games, when they came out, they captured a certain amount of an audience that only wanted to play a casual experience like this. But now we've got these Paper Mario games, which I call Paper Mario games. But then we've also got Mario RPG 2 and Mario RPG 3, which I think uh, technically Paper Mario and Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. You are confusing confusing me so much But if you think of them, they're they're split in a series. Because originally in Japan, Paper Mario was called Super Mario RPG 2. Oh, man. Stop. So it was a successor to the game that came out on the Super Nintendo the whole franchise is just completely different now. And it's that's why I have this sort of place in my mind um, and I had to talk about it because it really does um, sit side by side the entire Sonic franchise. It's a fall from grace for the entire franchise. And I think that, um, you know, it's ta- it's going to take something really big to save them both. And is Sonic Frontiers going to do it? Uh, probably not. But, you know, I really hope that, um, Nintendo stops, you know, giving these games to Kensuke Tanabe to to look over, who's a, a guy that just believes that everyone should play casual games because that's where the money is. And clearly, I mean, it split up the fan base, like I said, but I just don't think that it's it's good. I I, I want to play a game that's challenging. What's the point of playing a game if it doesn't engage you as the player? You might as well, you know, watch bloody RuPaul's Drag Race on Stan. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no worries. Uh, all right. Very good, Simo. Um, thank you for that uh, on uh, the bloody Mario fucking game. <laughs> I can't even remember what game you were fucking talking about. Oh, oh dear. Oh, Colour splash, JB. Look, right. I'm, I get it. The theme of this week is nobody cares about Simon's bloody what he has to say. This Too week. much. Oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. No, I'm sorry. That that was my bad, uh, Simo. So uh, you know, feel no, free to right. uh, kick me up the emotional damage. And, I still uh, love you, Joel. Thanks, Not mate. Not just because I have to. Yes, because I do. Okay. From my heart. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Deep mate. in my heart. All right. Well, uh, my game for father this of week. my nephews and nieces. Yes, uh, correct. Um, Husband to my sister. <laughs> All right. Brother from another mother. Have you, oh, have, no. you got an, have you got an idea system, mate? Cool. Just wanted you to know. It's water under the bridge. Thanks, mate. The game that I wanted to talk about this week uh, that came out on this day in history. Now, I'm going to cheat a little bit because the... The version of this game that came out was a was a port to iOS, uh, but uh, I I still when I saw this game I thought yeah I got I got to talk about it. So the game that I want to talk about is Beneath a Steel Sky. So 
for those of you who haven't played the game, this this game came out in 1994, and this really was like like a golden era for point and click adventure games. So this is when Lucas Arts were at the height of their fame with games like Sam and Max, Day of the Tentacle, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Um, they were pumping out all of those sorts of games. Then you also had, um, on the other side of the fence, you had a company, Sierra, that were putting out their own point-and-click adventure games, games like Police Quest, Space Quest, King's Quest, all, all of those sorts of games. Uh, the big difference being that in the Sierra games, you could like uh, make a, an error and get killed in the game and, and that's it, game over, you, you're dead. Uh, or you could, you know, not collect something or or use something the wrong way, and then it completely fucks the rest of the game, and and you <laughs> you you're rooted. Uh, in the Lucas Arts games, you couldn't you couldn't do the wrong thing, like um, you couldn't die. You 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 just basically had to work out the puzzles, and you could just sort of keep going through. So, um, I preferred the Lucas Arts sort of style. So um, the guys that developed uh, Beneath a Steel Sky, um, the game director was Charles Cecil and comic book artist Dave Gibbons. Um, they wanted to make uh, an adventure game that sort of sat in the middle ground between LucasArts and Sierra. And uh, so that's what they did with uh, Beneath a Steel Sky. And so... When I went back and, and reread it, uh, I'm like, oh, I, there's a lot about this game that I'd forgotten. So it's actually set in Australia, uh, mm. but in the future. Oh. So it's set in a dystopian future. The player assumes the role of Robert Foster, who was stranded in a wasteland known as The Gap as a child and adopted by a group of local Aboriginals. Gradually adjusting to his life in the wilderness... Uh, after many years, armed security officers arrive, kill the locals, and take Robert back to Union City. Um, he escapes and soon uncovers the corruption which lies at the heart of their society. So um, that's basically it. He's, he's busted out and, and he wants to get out of the city. It's almost a similar storyline to like Stray in that, you know, you get stranded in the city and you've got to find your way out back into the sort of world outside the city, if you like. So um, uh, the other thing that I decided that I'd do is I, I, I did a bit of a Google search for some trivia mm. on this uh, this game uh, just to, to see what would come up. Uh, some of it's not going to make a lot of sense to people who haven't played the game, but uh, this one uh, said the... The version of the game that came out for MS-DOS came out on six floppy disks. Uh, the Amiga version had 15 floppy bloody disks. Hell. So uh, it, was, oh, uh, wow. it was a substantial <laughs> bloody game. More um, floppy disks than I've ever owned. Uh, yeah, well, they were they were all the rage back in the day, so I take my word for it. Um, I know, game... I lived through that time. Oh, okay, great. I was there. I was alive then. Uh, <laughs> excellent. The game <laughs> Broken Broken Sword Two: The Smoking Mirror. Um, I don't know if you guys have played the Broken Sword uh, games, but not familiar with them. JB can't say I've played them. No, yeah, the only games I've ever played JB is games with swords that are whole in them. So I, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, sounded funnier in my mind when I said that. <laughs> Uh, well, in in the Broken Sword games, you play as a character, Nico Collard. They're, they're set in France, and basically he goes around um, investigating a murder. He's like a de- detective or whatever. And So this bit of trivia says, uh, in Broken Sword 2, if Nico Collard tries to give a chocolate to a ghost, Robert Foster shows up in a tunnel. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know that uh, you'll all be uh, <laughs> rushing to download Broken Sword 2 to experience that for for yourself. Hang on, I know a Robert Foster. Stop. Oh, do, do you? <laughs> I do, yeah. No, he used to be a regular at a cafe I worked at. Really Shout out guy. to Robert if you're he listening. his wife, Heather. Um, it will not be. And, uh, <laughs> and then this, I mean, this must be the most piss-weak trivia I've ever read, but... Uh, the voice actor who plays Hobbins also voices several other minor characters, and there are a few times when they both exchange words. Uh, <laughs> cool. oh, well, fuck me. Fuck me. Oh, that's uh, mind-blowing. I mean, I guess the yeah. entire Rick and Morty Emotional <laughs> damage. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, the trivia was a little bit uh, weak, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, I did my best. That was all they had, so... Uh, Anyway, Beneath the Steel Sky, you can actually download it for free on PC at GOG.com. It's been it's been open source since 2003, I think they said. So um, if you want to experience it without having to pay for it on iOS, uh, you can go and grab it there. And there's oh, yeah. also a sequel to Beneath the Steel Sky, uh, which I haven't played because you can only play it if you have a subscription to Apple Arcade and then you can play it on iOS. So um, I'd probably like to give it a go, but uh, I'm not uh, not willing to hand over any more of my hard-earned coin to uh, To Apple, unfortunately. So uh, Might as well buy an Apple tree if you're going to. Oh, really jeez. Well done, Simo. Like, uh, yeah, good on you for, for fucking giving it a go every week, um, regardless. Got to. <laughs> <laughs> Got to well, be in it to win it, JB. You do, you do. Um, I'll get the car one day. On, on that note, that is about all we've got time for this week on the Discerning, Discerning Gamer podcast. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank the DG crew, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thank you. Thanks, JB. It's been a pleasure. And Simon Steely McLaughlin, the king of comedy. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, thank you so much, Joel. It was a pleasure to come and laugh with you cheer with you, cry with you, um, and just remind you that I still exist <laughs> and that I still love you regardless of the fact that you couldn't you could forget about me in an instant. <laughs> but okay. I still love you. Okay. Well, I, I, I promise you, mate. You I, have a I don't think, think of you any different. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Okay. Oh, Simon. And last but not least, uh, Casey C. Mac McLaughlin, thank you. Yeah, I'm here still. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me, everyone. Yeah, and if uh, if you want to drop us a line, we're on all the socials. Um, you can send us an email, and please check out our Instagram. We'll throw the photos up there of uh, the people's horrendous uh, creations from the Street Fighter Six open beta. 
and we'll see you next week. See ya. It doesn't change anything between us. We'll see you next week.